Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello and welcome to The Ticket. I'm Laura Shepherd, and this is where I celebrate everything creative that happens in the area. On today's programme, I'll be talking to a couple of variety acts who will be performing at the studio at TPS. I also meet up with an artist who has a local art gallery. And my Shine Radio colleague, Noni Needs, talks to Catherine Knight, whose work will be exhibited at the gallery at Petersfield Museum. Before that, though... I caught up with Robin Hollington from the Steep Film Society. Let's hear what he's got to say. We are a registered charity and we were formed in April 2004 and the official name is Steep Film Society in memory of Sir Alec Guinness and we were formed soon after his his death um, with a gratuity that he gave us to form such a society. That is absolutely fascinating. What are Sir Alec Guinness's links with Steep? He used to own a house in, in the village, um, just round the corner from the Harrow, and was well known and liked and a key member of society and, and wanted the parish to, to do well. How lovely, how absolutely lovely. So did he specify what needed exactly to be done as a film society or is that sort of very much a free thing for you to, to work out? I have to admit, I don't know the full ins and outs. Um, it was before our time in, in the parish. There's certainly some money that was left in the care of the parish council as trustees of the village hall that is ring-fenced for Alec Guinness Trust Fund for things in the parish, amongst which was the film club. I'm with you. So tell me about Steep Film Society, uh, what it does, what, what kind of is behind the choice of films and that kind of thing. Well, it's, it's objects of the provision of a community cinema in the interests of social welfare of the inhabitants of Steep and its environments in the county of Hampshire, which is a long-winded so- way of saying... We show films to the locals. <laughs> but it's very important that as a charity, we have to follow those objects. Yeah. And so, for example, during lockdown, when we couldn't meet to show films, we bought DVDs to give to our members or loan to our members so that we could meet our objects. Oh, that's actually really lovely. Again, it's, it's very key that, um, you know, we are, as trustees of the charity, we have a legal obligation to do such things. Yeah. So steep village school get invited to occasional films that we put on on behalf of the school so in essence we've we've lived in the in the parish for for 15 years or something and um we've been regular goers to the film club and then three or four years ago most of the, the then trustees had moved on or were moving on literally into different parishes one to uh, to channel islands and what have you and a call went out from the, the then trustees to, for some new ones, and a bunch of us volunteered on the basis that um, we wanted to slightly modernise it. So one of the things I do for a living is build some websites. So we put a website up, for example, where previously it was all done by, by paper. The beauty of that is it's managed through the website for membership and purchases and, and what have you. The result is that we've increased our, 
uh, attendances from from about getting on for 30 to we sort of average 40, 50 most time we show a film now. Oh, that's a good number in a hall that size. That's brilliant. It, it's a very good number. Yeah. And, and part of that is down to how you go about getting licences. Uh, and it's quite a complicated system of licensing. It basically costs us about £100 a time to put a film on. So how do you choose? How do you decide what films to show? Well, th- there are several trustees and we will look at what is coming out. So typically, what are the films right at this moment in time that we, are, we want to show is What's Love Got To Do With It? It's just about to hit the cinemas. Now that, as a film, will go to the cinemas... It will then go to the streaming services and it will then go to DVD. And in effect, we can show it from the moment it goes to DVD. But we don't quite know when that's going to be. So we will turn around and see a film and say that film is appropriate to our demographic. There are all sorts of things like that. And we'll look at it. We'll throw some names into the pot. We'll have a, an email around the trustees. We'll look at the trailers online and say, yes, 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 yes. We then keep an eye out on when they are licensable, and we might get several months' notice of that. We might get just a few weeks. And so we'll manage the programme based upon what we can and cannot do, and some guessing. How often are you showing films? Typically, it's every two weeks, um, from September through to the end of May this year. It's the 2nd of June is the last one we're going to do. Then we have a summer break, and exceptionally, there will be some issues, like, for example, Easter is meaning we're going to have a three-week break. There might be a four-week break at Christmas. It just depends on when Fridays are, but it's basically every other Friday in our period from September through to June. Well, that's a lot more than I expected, actually. So do people have to be a member of the society to watch a film? Can they just order a ticket online without being a member? They can. We are a membership charity. So there are three types of membership and guests. So a guest can come along and they can watch a film and they can buy a ticket online and that's great. Or they can turn up on the door. They turn up on the door and we are sold out by people who have bought in advance. They will be turned away. So we would say always buy a ticket in advance. Um, There are then registered members and registration for them is free and they then get tickets at £6. A guest ticket is eight. There's a premium membership where you pay to be a member and that's £8 a person a year and then you get a pound discount on the ticket. And then we've got a few members who've got what's called a gold membership and that's £75 for the year and all tickets are included and you are pre-booked in. Right. So you're guaranteed a seat. Yep, yep, okay. Okay, so it's like a sort of tiered system, I get that. Um, whereabouts in Steep are you showing the films? We show them at the Steep Village Hall, which has a licence and it has parking. We do have a licence bar and we serve ice creams at half time. The most we've ever had is 69 and our licence for people is 70. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So that was at your absolute limit. Uh, it was very, very tight. What film was that? That was actually the, um, the relaunch of the Film Society in November 19, um, when it's the current trustees had taken over and it was their first film. And that was a film yesterday. That's a lot film it, it, and everyone was saying oh, it was brilliant and we had popcorn machines and a bar and it was it was rammed oh bless you it sounds wonderful so yes it, it was absolutely wonderful but then we also have things where we have sort of theme nights so that Christmas we showed love actually and you know there are mince pies and mulled wine which were given out freebies and you were encouraged to come in Christmas jumpers and then for Burns night there will be a Scottish stroke whiskey theme so uh, we've shown Mary Queen of Scots and this year we showed Whiskey Galore <laughs> and then for, for 
Valentine's Day, we will show an appropriate movie. So last year it was Last Letter to Your Lover. This year it was Ticket to Paradise with Prosecco and Cupcakes. Oh, this sounds absolutely brilliant. This is right up my street. Tell me what you've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. So March we have See How They Run on the Friday the 10th of March. And that's a sort of 1950s caper. There's a murder mystery taking place in a theatre and a murder takes place. And it's a bit of whodunit. It's a bit of... Um, Murder, She Wrote, and that sort of thing. It looks exceedingly good with a great cast. And then two weeks after that, 24th, we have The Lost King, which is the story of a a lady who wants something to do in her slightly later life and decides to trace down the burial place of Richard III, I think it was. And she finds it in a car park in Coventry. It's a true story. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that sounds really good. What are your plans for the rest of year, the year? How far in advance are you kind of mapping into the future? Well, we've, um, we then go into a three-week break for Easter. So we go to the 14th of April is The Forgiven. Uh, 28th of April is She Said. 5th of May is Living. 19th of May, The Outfit. And then if we get the licence in time... Uh, we'll finish up on the 2nd of June with What's Love Got To Do With It. Ah, oh, fantastic. You've got a really good selection there. That That is wonderful. It's interesting that the selection is, is driving the attendance. And, you know, we're, we're getting 40, 50 at the moment. Coming out of lockdown, we were getting 20, 25, but there were times when we only had 13, 14, 15. And part of that was down to nervousness. The other part was down to there was just a paucity of films, but they're now being made again, so that's good. And how do people get tickets? Where do they join the society? Right. Um, well, there is a... If you search for Steep Film Society, Petersfield, I'm sure you'll find it, or it's steepfilmsociety.org.uk, and there'll be a picture of Sir Alec Guinness doing his thing, and there'll be a big button that says join here, and there'll be bits which explain different types of membership and what the films are and how you can buy. That's perfect. Thank you very much indeed Robin. It's a pleasure. And that was Robin Hollington from the Steep Film Society and the next film that they are showing is on the 10th of March. You're listening to The Ticket here on Petersfield's Shine Radio and I'm Laura Shepherd. and I would love to hear from you if you are involved in anything creative in the area or you know somebody who is. Do get in touch by emailing team at shineradio.uk Or you can also phone or WhatsApp 01730555500. That's Petersfield 555500. I would love to hear from you. Next, I'm going to talk to an artist from the Courtyard Gallery, which is a gallery at Durley Marsh Farm, one of the uh, buildings there. There are three artists who are in partnership at the gallery, and one of them is Frida Lyne, who I was talking to. Let's hear from Frida now. The Courtyard Gallery was launched a year ago by my colleague Barbara Whitbourne and has been successfully running since then. It is based at Durley Marsh uh, on the A272 just uh, east of uh, Petersfield. And there are three artists who exhibit and work there. So not only is it a beautiful gallery space, but it's also a working art studio. Whereabouts is it when you go into Durley Marsh? Because I know where the farm shop is, where the cafe is, where the Barn Emporium is. It's in the same courtyard as Barn Emporium. 
So it's right next to the Barn Emporium. Oh, I shall have to pop in. So um, so there's three of you exhibiting there. How often do you change the work that's displayed? The three, of us, the three partners in the Courtyard Gallery um, add and take away pieces all the time um, to keep the display refreshed and also because we're regularly selling, selling products. Um, we have paintings um, and we have prints and we have cards. Um, we have um, complementary work. Barbara paints a very intricate and clever um, abstract and her current series uh, is called What Lies Beneath and is exploring um, the possible images that you might see underneath uh, Cornish tin mines but in a very modern colours and it's very exciting. She does very good abstracts as well. We've recently been joined by uh, Susan Collier. Susan um, regularly exhibits in the Petersfield area um, and pr produces the most glorious, um, loose, free, fresh, vibrant watercolours. Some of them are figurative. Um, of real things. Others are more interpretive. And I'm the last of, of the three, and I produce um, perhaps slightly more conventional uh, landscapes and seascapes, but I, I specialize in sort of seas and skies. Uh, I have a lot of pieces um, based on West Wittering, um, and currently I'm working on some, working up some pieces on, um, on Wales. So, you know, lots of emotion and mood and light and that kind of thing. So the, the three artists uh, really, you know, work and hang well together. And we've got tiny things, you know, little mounted pieces at a very reasonable price to, you know, some fairly large pieces um, where you have to spend a bit more money. When you are painting, do you paint in situ? So are you there at West Wittering when you're doing it or do you take photographs or how, do you just have a sketchbook and then build yeah, it up Yeah, I mean, that? I work from... Um, I mean, I spent about three years with, working with a, um, a well-known artist um, and he was based at West Wittering, so I worked there regularly for years and I have sketchbooks full of, of, of information. Um, but I also use photographs because they're quite a quite a useful starting point as well. But I I'm a, a kind of an old-fashioned girl art-wise, and was taught that you know working from sketchbooks is a really good thing to do. And I know um, both Sue Sue and Barbara both both use sketchbooks. But I'm quite interested in um, trying to understand the emotion and the feeling um, of what what a landscape and or a seascape evokes in you so it, it will be based I mean there will be places that you could recognize but more often it's about the sense of place rather than the actual place um, in my biog I say you know if you want um, a picture perfect then take a picture um, you know, I, I don't think art is about being, you know, making a, a fine, detailed, accurate representation. I, I believe art is about expressing emotion and feeling 
and giving you the connection so that you remember your visit and the place um, rather than going, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's it. Now, you're having a fundraising event, aren't you, for Marie Curie, is that right? That's correct. We wanted to celebrate a year uh, of the, the gallery and thought it would be really nice to do that by um, fundraising for a, a charity. And March, you know, is famous for its um, daffodil fundraising appeals from Marie Curie. And they do fantastic work um, that complements that of the health service, complements that of other charities. Um, and particularly important at the moment with an ageing population, providing services at home um, so that people don't have to necessarily go into hospital. Um, uh, you know, and spaces and hospices and things like that are, are limited. So lots and lots yeah. of, you know, positive reasons for, for supporting this fabulous charity. Definitely a very worthy cause indeed. So when is that? Our fundraising officially, the fundraising day is officially Saturday the 4th. Uh, that's this coming weekend. But I rather suspect we will be, um, you know, donation boxes and daffodils will be around for a while. Um, and I am sure that if should we make any sales um, during uh, March, we will be making a contribution uh, to the charity. Uh, on Saturday, uh, the 4th, we, are, have, we have promised to give 20% of all sales uh, to uh, Marie Curie. One of the fabulous things is that a number of the other places in Durley Marsh um, have also agreed to support the charity. So uh, the farm shop, uh, the emporium, uh, the cafe, you know, are all helping. Oh, that's wonderful. Good for them. So it's a real collective. That's really great to hear. Um, thank you so much for uh, chatting today, Frida. I really appreciate your time and I You're hope the welcome. fundraising goes very well. Thank you. And that was Frida Line from the Courtyard Gallery at Durley Marsh Farm. Thank you very much to Frida. My next two guests are involved in a variety show at the studio at TPS. The first person I'm speaking to is Will Rawlings, who is a Dean Martin tribute act. Here's Will telling us what we can expect from the variety performance. Oh, it's a fantastic little show. There's about four or five of us in the show. We've got a duo called uh, Tesoro, who are a crossover duo that sing a bit of opera, a bit of show songs and uh, and uh, everything else pretty much. We've got uh, Chris Byler and Charlie, who uh, is a ventriloquist of 40 years in the business. He's coming out of retirement just to do my show, which I'm really, really, really pleased about. Paul Z, who is absolutely nuts. He is a comedy, what, what would I call him, a comedy speciality act. Does a bit of everything from magic all the way through. He'll have the audience participation go through the roof while he's on. And of course, there's myself. And I'm a Dean Martin tribute and swing singer. So I'll be singing songs from Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis, and all the other easy listening stuff to try and get people to fall in love in the what, a half hour or so that I'm going to be on. <laughs> that sounds absolutely fabulous. 
is this something you do very often, organise variety shows? I I have just started doing it after the break from COVID and everything else. But we used to put on the shows in village halls and stuff like that. So this is a little bit of a step up. And I've got an awful lot of people I can call on to do little shows like this all over the country. So it's very, very nice. I'm enjoying myself doing it. So, yeah, it's the sort of thing I love to do. So when did you start thinking it's time to do this again? And how long does it take to get off the ground? Anything up to six months um, from start to finish with the uh, posters and absolutely everything else, and of course the advertising, and then you've got um, and you've got to ask the acts if they're free, and you have to work on the dates when they're free to come in and do your show. As I say, it, it takes a lot of time, but it is all worth it in the end. So, was it about six months ago you thought uh, it's time to start getting this sorted? Is that how long it's taken? It's taken me that long. I went to Petersville School, um, I think it was September actually last year, for the first visit um, with a few leaflets and things like that. And ever since then, we've just had the tickets on sale. And um, we've been thinking about this one, and there's four or five others going around the south coast uh, at the same time as well so will you be touring this show afterwards planning on it we've got four people four acts i should say in this show four to six acts mostly and we've got a few down in the west country where i live at the moment and we've got a few coming up through here up towards christmas and and beyond so yeah so I know that uh, when you have individual acts in, in a thing like this, that they do their own rehearsals. But when will you all get together? Will it just be on the day? Yeah, yeah, it'll be on the day. We, luckily, luckily, I know absolutely everybody who's in the show. I know how they work. I've worked, we've worked together before many, many, many times. So it'll be a case of turning up, saying hello and cracking on with it. It's, 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 that, it's, it's very nice to get together. And it all gives us all a great night out. Because it's nice to work with other people because then you get to see what they're doing and get a night out yourself. And it's going to be a great atmosphere in that space. It's a lovely little theatre. So tell us when it is on. It's on the 1st of April. It's not an April Fool's joke. It is happening. Um, I know people said, oh, it's April Fool's Day. Are you sure it's actually happening? Yes, it is happening. Um, April the 1st at half past seven in the afternoon, in the evening. Um, and, um, and it should finish around about 10 o'clock. So it's an early-ish finish. They're not expensive tickets. We know because of uh, what's gone on in the last two years, a lot of people don't have the money to come out and enjoy themselves when they want to buy a 20 or £30 ticket to see something. So we've kept the ticket price nice and low. So hopefully people will come out. And you will have a great night. There's no two ways about it. We know, we all know what we're doing. We've been doing it for many, 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 many years. And we just want to share a bit of fun and laughter and a little bit of romance with everybody. Thank you very much, Will. You're most welcome. That was Will Rawlings, who's organised the variety show at the studio at TPS and is also one of the performers. You heard him mention Paul Z, the magician and entertainer. He is also doing a children's show in the afternoon before the variety act in the evening. So I had a chat with Paul Z as well and asked him how he got into children's entertainment. Oh, God, it goes back years. Um, I came out of the army. Um, and then I was doing discos. Then I became an entertainment manager, and it just progressed from there. But I, I just got into doing magic, uh, and I used to do the big stage illusions back in the uh, late eighties and nineties. Um, and then it just progressed, and it, it worked out that I was doing a lot more comedy with the children's show and the cabaret. So that's the way it's been now for. Oh, just over 30 years. 
So your entertainment show, you've already alluded to magic and comedy. What can people expect if they bring their children along? Well, the afternoon show is aimed at the children and it's just going to be basically silliness. We're going to be getting loads of the kids up on stage. Um, There might just be the odd custard pie flying about. Um, (laughs) Basically just a load of fun for all the children's and we may just get some of the adults involved as well so the kids can get revenge on their parents. Oh it sounds ideal. Uh, Now you've been talking about the cabaret in the evening I have been talking to Will Rawlings who's been uh, uh, organising the cabaret so what is your act in the cabaret then? Uh, The act in the cabaret it's still a family cabaret Um, a lot more silliness Uh, And instead of getting the children up, we're going to get some adults up. And we're going to make some of them look silly and some of them look good. And uh, I'll obviously be making myself look very silly as well. And really looking forward to coming back to Petersfield because I used to live years ago in Portsmouth. I love the fact because I can see there's real crossover between the show that you do for family show but for adults and then the children's entertainment which came first Uh, the well i would say the adult stroke family because we used to use the children and adults in the illusion show Um, we used to levitate a child uh, then levitate an adult Um, so yeah i would say it was the adult adult stroke family show first when i say adult i don't mean it's naughty the children's show developed off the back of that. Do you love it? Do you love performing to children? How many people get up in the morning and look forward to going to work and get depressed when they're not working? Oh, bless you. That's such a lovely thing to say. How brilliant. Do you tour the whole country when you're doing your shows? We actually tour um, the whole of Europe, uh, working for a certain holiday company. We go all over Europe, uh, Mallorca, Menorca, Greece, the Greek islands. Uh, last year, we went across to Turkey as well. So, yeah, it's it's all over. I know it always sounds like a very glamorous life, but I also know that actually being on the road can be quite hard graft. So it's lovely that you enjoy performing the shows yeah. um, because it sounds like it takes you away from home for quite a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, I mean, this year I've got two tours of Wales uh, to Scotland, Great Yarmouth, I'm up there three times, two times on the Isle of Wight, plus all around Devon and Cornwall. So, yeah, it's just a little bit busy, a lot of travelling. The actual hour of the show, of either show, is the easy bit. But, yeah, looking forward to seeing all the children in the afternoon and all the adults at night time. It's going to be a great day and night. Thank you very much for talking to us today, Paul. Yeah, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you all very, very shortly. And that was Paul Z, who is a children's entertainer and variety act. And we'll be performing in both of those guises at the studio at TPS on Saturday, the 1st of April. And if you're interested in getting tickets, head over to the TPS website, which is thestudiotps.com. I'm Laura Shepherd, and this is The Ticket on Petersfield's Shine Radio, where I celebrate everything creative that's going on in the local area. The next guest on the programme is an interview by Noni Needs when she met Catherine Knight, 
He's going to be exhibiting at Petersfield Museum from March until June. And this really does sound like it's one to look out for. I welcome today. Hello, Catherine Knight. Hello. Thanks for having me. You are an artist that works in gouache, oil and watercolour. And when I read that, I thought, wow, that is a huge discipline to be across. And, And we'll come to that later. And also, I'd like to talk to you about your practice and where you get inspiration from. You have a solo exhibition at the Petersfield Museum and Art Gallery that's starting in March. How are you getting on with that? Are you are you done with everything that you're bringing? And what can we expect to see? Um, yeah, it's all done. It was all ready by the end of last year, and it's, I'm just collecting some work from the framers this afternoon. Um, so it's going to be seven watercolours, well, gouache, actually, and... 10 oil paintings. And what sizes are your work? Because I've seen that you do very, very small pieces of work and very large pieces of work on canvas and board. So tell me about that. Yeah, it's a real mixture. So I normally start by doing works on paper with gouache to kind of work out my ideas. And then after that, I went and made some larger pieces, um, especially once I knew I was having the show at the Flora Tort Gallery at Petersfield. I knew I needed to make some bigger pieces to sort of fill that space. So there's also two larger oil on linen, which are 160 by 120. And yeah, I really enjoy working on a large scale as well as on a small scale. It's quite a different uh, feeling. And are you going to bring any of your notebooks so people can see how you work and your practice in the exhibition? Not notebooks, but there will be some uh, books about Edvard Munch because the whole exhibition is inspired by... A visit to his summer house. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about where this exhibition um, is is inspired from. Um, so I've always been a fan of the work of Edvard Munch, um, and as a teenager, I kind of related to the really dark, uh, moody works, which are more famous, like The Scream. Yes. Um, and then as I've got older, I've really related more to his more uh, landscape-based pieces and he left all of his work to the state of Norway when he died so to see his work you really have you have to travel to Oslo so I've always wanted to do that. And that is that what you did? Yeah so last February I decided to go to Oslo to kind of make a pilgrimage to see his work because he's got this new big uh, museum dedicated to him so it's 13 floors a big beautiful um beautifully designed architectural building on the waterfront in Oslo so I went there and spent the day just looking at all of his work and then the next day I visited the little summer house that he spent a lot of time in. Now tell me how you pronounce where that is please. I think it's Oskarstrand but I could be wrong. Yes because it's (laughs) it's spelt with an A and I looked at that and I thought I'm gonna have to ask you. (laughs) Yeah I think it's that but probably someone who speaks Norwegian would laugh at that Um, and it's this tiny little it's quite an interesting contrast because he's got this huge new museum in Oslo and then this little house was his original museum so when he died they turned this into his first museum and it's literally a little fisherman's cottage so one bedroom one room that he lived in um, with bright yellow walls and it was just amazing to go and see it everything's been left just the way it was when he died and it was a really cold but sunny day. So I had these bright blue skies and this yellow building that he, um, where he lived. So a lot of the paintings have got this contrast between the blue and the yellowy orange. 
Because that's what I was going to say, that it, his work is very dark with the scream. Everybody thinks of mental health issues and all that kind of things, but your work is very light. You know, you're, the blues that you use are very beautiful. Tell me about how, you, how, you're in, how you've translated his inspiration into your work. Yeah, well, I think, I think he's a bit misunderstood, or people sort of know him for the, for the scream and the, the mm. dark stuff and actually the other day on Radio 4 someone dismissed him as kind of deathy and I and I was thinking oh there's so much more to him he also painted a huge painting of the sun and he he loved swimming outside and nature and there was there was a whole period of his work that was very light and beautiful and an enjoyment of nature but I think people don't know them quite as much um but yeah I, I guess I wasn't trying to paint like him it was the no. paintings are about my experience of of visiting his house i'd like to describe your paintings but i wouldn't do a very good job so i would ask would i could i ask you to tell me how you paint because i find your it's very colorful bright airy they're they're very moving in terms of um what you know your work is very it's very delicate but very powerful and it's there's a stillness to it and these are the feelings I get looking at it, oh, and well, thank you. there's an there's an there's an isolation there, but yeah. it is it it feels like I'm looking at it and in it. Yeah. So the show, the show is called Long Shadows, and that's because I visited in February, and there was this kind of low sun, really strong low sun the whole time. So everywhere I went, I was presented with my own low, long shadow of my silhouette which also features in the work of Edvard Munch. He's often got his shadow in his work. So everywhere I went, I kind of was reminded of me being on my own on this um, pilgrimage. Um, and yeah, the way that I work is, I guess, linked to the idea, the fact that I use watercolour and oil. So when I'm painting in oil, I'm trying to keep the looseness and fluidity of a watercolour painting. So I work with quite thin oil paints in layers and I try and keep it quite economical and not overwork them. What does that do to the work, keeping it thin and layered? I want to keep it fresh and immediate like a sketch, even though it's a possibly a big oil painting. So it's trying to keep that immediacy and sketchiness. I think when I look at other artists' work, I'm always drawn to their sketches and their looser, quick works. So yeah. I want to my finished work to have the quality of a quick watercolour, hopefully. Although it's taken time. That yeah. instant freshness, but you've got all that experience behind that stroke. Definitely. So I work in layers, so I'll put a base layer down, let that dry, and then build up a few more layers on top. So it's kind of a long process, but a few, over a few weeks, maybe. So um, is it? do you take all your work, your images back to the studio? Do you work, you don't work alfresco? No, I don't. And I definitely didn't when I was in Norway because it was minus temperatures. <laughs> Too cold. And it was, yeah, very icy. So I was just, when I was actually there, I was just taking photos and taking it all in and chatting to the curator who showed me around. Um, and then I came back, looked at all my photos and... It was sort of a yeah process of developing it from there. And how do you develop your work after you've taken the photographs? What's what's your next step? What how do you how do you start? I normally go straight from the photo into a into a gouache on paper, um, and I'm just trying to. I guess it's a simplif simplifying um, from the photo, trying to get the kind of essence of 
the feeling and yeah maybe intensifying some of the colors um yeah it's quite direct from the photo Catherine tell me about the, the your style of painting what can you tell me about that how would you how would you describe it yeah oh <laughs> that's a tricky one I'm trying to keep it I'm, I'm often using thinner so I'm thinning the paint down and applying it in kind of thin washes and yeah trying to keep a kind of uh, looseness and calligraphic nature to the brush marks to give an impression of yeah capturing a fleeting moment or what it felt like to be in that place I think the idea of a sense of place is really important to me so it felt really um, magical to visit this place that I'd imagined in my head for so long so I heard a Radio 4 interview with the writer Carlo Vnalsgaard yeah. And he was talking about his book about Edvard Munch, which is called So Much Longing and So Little Space. What's what's that about? Um, so I read that in 2019 and that, that kind of re-sparked re this desire to go and visit the Munch Museum. Um, and he's talking about he also visited the Summer House. And I guess it's, I don't know, I had this feeling of time is feels like it's passing and things are changing very rapidly but also going there it felt like oh some things change stay the same and I stood in this spot and I could literally see lots of different monk paintings around me so he monk painted lots of different landscapes all within this kind of mile radius of his house so as you walk around the little town you, you can just see oh that's the building from that painting and that's the shoreline and it had this real sense of wow this hasn't changed much and it it felt really magic even even though it was over 100 years ago your your work is magic it's uh, it's really, <laughs> it's just a very unusual it's very strong and powerful oh i look forward to seeing it it's very it's it, you can feel the coldness in the paintings as well yeah good i hope it feels yeah there's an iciness underfoot yeah it's there's bright orange and yet you feel the chill it's it's quite interesting that you've captured that so Catherine how did you find yourself exhibiting at the Petersfield Museum and Art Gallery how how are you coming to us what happened um well it's actually through Instagram so during lockdown there was a thing called the artist support pledge where artists were selling work for it could be anything below 200 pounds so selling off sort of little pieces and Louise Weller bought one of my pieces during lockdown and I think she was following me on Instagram since then and then when she got the new role at the Petersfield Art Gallery she asked me to be one of the exhibitors in the following year so it came from that. Matthew Burroughs uh, I interviewed and he set up the artist support pledge just before lockdown on something like the 17th of March he could see it all coming and his he's fantastic fantastic work he's got a knighthood for well an MBE for his work hasn't he yeah I think Instagram's a really good way of connecting you know beyond the reach of where you live as well so that would be my top tip to people trying to get their work out there so, and do you still utilize the um, artist support pledge um not so much now it was good in lockdown as a kind of it was a good way to kind of sell older pieces of work maybe or smaller things it was a um, lot it was recently yeah it was, it was a lifeline at that point yeah. But recently I've been more focused on, yeah, making this specific body of work for this show. So le um, less so 
it kind of made it okay to put your work up for sale somehow. And I think artists had felt funny about doing that before because it looked like you weren't showing in a gallery or something. So, But yeah, as a way of making connections with people, it was really really powerful did you make lots of connections in terms of you know you reached a wider audience um i would imagine yeah definitely i think because a lot of people were looking at their phones and were online at that point in time i think because the world did just stop didn't it um it did i i did a project called isolation windows and i asked people to send me their window view um i painted over 180 windows in the end and that was a real way of connecting because it kind of grew and then I posted them online and then people sent me their window and it kind of yeah so I found lockdown weirdly a good time creatively <laughs> well that, that's fantastic that you can you can di- divert, divert that energy um, and make it into a positive we've spoken about what visitors can expect at the Flora Twart uh, and let's remind everybody when it runs to and from um, so it starts on the 8th of March and runs until the 3rd of June. Um, there's going to be a fully illustrated catalogue available with a, a fantastic essay by Louise Weller. And there's going to be an in-conversation in May between me and Louise. I think that's on a Thursday evening. Oh, brilliant. Well, I look forward yeah, to Yeah, and there's also a Zoom art workshop on a Saturday in March, I think. So we there's I'm leading a painting workshop online so people can learn the kind of monk painting style and talk about the exhibition well i'm i'm a big fan of edward monk and um it's not all about the scream as people will discover (laughs) he he was a much talented artist so thank you for bringing a bit of oslo to petersfield and edward monk to petersfield that's a very fantastic thing to be doing so i look forward to seeing your work oh thank you brilliant thank you catherine That was Noni Needs interviewing Catherine Knight. And if you're interested in seeing Catherine's work, head over to the Petersfield Museum website to book your tickets. Thank you very much to all the guests in this programme. Robin Hollington from Steep Film Society, Will Rawlings and Paul Z, who are the Variety Act performers, Frida Line from the Courtyard Gallery, and to Noni Needs and her interview of Catherine Knight, who will be exhibiting at the Petersfield Museum Gallery. If you are involved in anything creative or you know anybody that is, do get in touch. The email is team at shineradio.uk and you can call or WhatsApp 01730 555 500. Thank you very much indeed for your company. You take care. to the VHS video format which author predicted the Apollo moon landing who became the youngest winner of the Wimbledon men's singles title Petersfield's Shine Radio with Ian Crossman I have quiz questions on 
all sorts of topics for you to test your general knowledge and see if you can score the magical five out of five. The Brighter Minds Quiz is proudly supported by Churches College. Every Saturday and Sunday night from nine. Petersfield's Shine Radio.